0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here today with by far the most requested topic that you all have had for me to cover this week, and that is Aim Junkies, the company, or more specifically the company behind the company, that has been accused by Bungie of selling copyright infringing cheats into the Destiny 2 ecosystem. Now, on your screen right now, if you are a viewer instead of a listener, you see the thumbnail I used for the earlier coverage of Bungie's amended complaint against Aim Junkies, where I said effectively that Aim Junkies' response to Bungie and its interviews were a little bit untowards and that Bungie had put together a pretty good case for the situation at hand. Now, since then, Aim Junkies has filed an answer to Bungie's document and counterclaims against Bungie, some of which do hold water and we're going to talk about those i did want to mention first and foremost that co-counsel if you're familiar with mrs Hoglaw, has been hard at work putting together a new store for the channel if you're interested in anything that we do here including little artwork by the youngest hoag please do check that out if you're at all interested we've got a link in the description uh and we're really really happy with how fulfillment has gone with that and the additions that are coming fast and furious to that store so please do check that out now As we get into this particular topic, it's important to kind of take a step back because one of the reasons I was at least a little bit reluctant to cover this a little bit more fulsomely is that, and this happens sometimes when we cover topics on this channel, I've actually been getting communications from one of the subjects of this video. We're going to go over those a little bit just to kind of give you the vibe that we get from these particular emails because it's an important part of this story and why I'm a little bit reluctant to feed into the fire of at least one of these parties as they go forward. So about a day or two after I put forth that original video about this whole lawsuit, I got a video unsolicited into my inbox, an email, not a video, of course, that was just entitled Richard. We're going to go over some of these highlights, but you'll see exactly how this was responded to. I found your pod really entertaining. Even a top flight law firm such as yours provided such an unbiased report as to the status of the lawsuit. Not at least Torrent Freak is unbiased, but hey, we got run from you. Yes, you are right. On the surface, if you look at their pleading, it looks like a slam dunk and we should just fold and give them $13 million and kiss the ring and bow as we step back, right? Wrong. Reread the filing and note the words by Perkins, that's their law firm, Bungies, that they use on information and belief. When you see that, it is code for it's not true, but we're going to throw this out there and see if it sticks with the judge. Put a pin in that as we go and we look at the answer and the counterclaim from the AIM Junkies folks here. That's why I'm bracing on information and belief. They can get away with what they say in a filing that they can't say in public because it's slanderous. It would be libelous, but it's fine. Explain that to your fans. This is Perkins Cole. They are a top five law firm in the country and they can't get an initial pleading right. Explain that away in your pod. You gloss that over. Well, as I said, they didn't plead with enough specificity the copyright infringement claims. That's why they amended and restated. That does happen even in big law practice because a lot of the times you feel like the judge is going to let you get away with that because you are a big company and you have a big product. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with defending against it and then asking them to amend and restate as they did, but... You can't just say, wow, they're a huge law firm. Why did they get so much wrong? That's not going to get you very far. Yes, you are correct. It is a short but sweet filing. But even though on the surface, it looks like it's a slam dunk, did you ever consider they might have 90% of the facts wrong in the case? And yes, on the surface, it seems the other 10% could be legal issues to be explored. Dig deeper. So I think it's important to take a step back about what we do here in virtual legality. You might play ace attorney. You might just like law and order or other things. I'm a lawyer. I'm an attorney. I don't have an investigative team that is going to evaluate the facts that you allege in your complaint documents. Whenever we go through this process, we are assuming that the facts, as alleged, are in fact the facts. And we're also, hopefully, putting out the proper educational information that... A court is going to determine between two adversarial parties what is right and what is wrong. But when we analyze even the legal side of things, we look at this and say, okay, assuming this is right or that seems far-fetched, but let's assume that they get that right. What does this mean? And basically, all Bungie has basically accused this company of doing is selling a cheat into the ecosystem. So when we analyze that, what we're really analyzing here is let's assume that a company did in fact sell a cheat into their ecosystem what does that mean for copyright what does that mean for online multiplayer gaming where we don't have a lot of litigation actually giving us precedent to go off of now that doesn't mean that somebody like aim junkies can't defend themselves and say effectively we're not the ones that sold it we're not the ones that made it and you'll see some of that in the documents we're going to look at today but no i'm not in the business of saying well that's wrong uh yes we can consider that but that's outside of our purview Contrary to the court filing you quoted, if you read my sworn statement to the court, I never in my life ever produced a cheat. Phoenix Digital has never in their existence produced a cheat. That doesn't really change the distribution concept here. I never in my life ever advertised in our forums looking for engineers, which Bungie did accuse them of. And to be honest, there are countless irregularities in the filings that, not being on the inside, you would not know. Even though this takes a tone with me and is very sarcastic, I'm fully willing to cop to the fact that in any given one of these circumstances, we on the outside can't know with specificity the truth or how it's asserted by one or the other parties. You will hear me say, we aren't in the room. And hopefully I help you evaluate these documents with that purpose. But this is a very upset party. And it's one of the reasons, as I suggested, I was a little bit reluctant to cover this at all. Four, did you happen to notice in the filings that no one in AIM Junkies ever signed the software license agreement? none of us ever signed a software license agreement, and only James may, and he's an independent contractor. So we got this kind of back and forth. It's like, yeah, okay, but if he's working for you, that might be an issue. Uh, And we can have this sorted out in court. Go defend yourself, AIM Junkies. I'm not going to stop you. But certainly the software license agreement is a part of this story, and it will continue to be a part of the story in the documents we're going to look at from AIM Junkies. They, Bungie, had an engineer from Bungie come in and make a filed statement with the court telling the court how the cheat worked and it is on our information and belief the cheat we sold contained none of the mechanics he swore to in his statement. He's lying. Okay, that's what court is for. At this point, we are not even sure it is our cheat. We do not possess the code for the cheat because we never created it. Now, we're not sure if it's our cheat. We're not sure exactly what's happening here. I'm not getting enough specifics here to understand what you're arguing against, but okay, sure, you might be not the party that they should be concerned with. That's a totally adequate defense. I'm with you, bud. In the filings, they used images from Call of Duty cheats, RU, and they presented purchases from the same site in Discovery. That site sold their in-house cheat and called it ours. In fact, there were a few sites that claimed they were selling our cheat when we never sold out of house. Even our resellers had to come in our front door and purchase our products every time. What relevance is that evidence to us? Could have the wrong party. Could have fingered the wrong party. That's not anything we can know from outside. Totally fine. And yet, to the extent that you allowed folks to pretend that they were selling from you, we do have questions about what exactly was allowed on your side of things. Did you notice that they never posted the date the copyrights were actually registered? They listed everything but that. Explain to your faithful listeners the ramifications of the actual registration dates being after we stopped selling the product. It can be pretty darn difficult to get damages if you're seeking infringement claims prior to registration. It's the truth. We do not own aimjunkies.com and on the other sites listed anymore they were sold to a business entity in the Ukraine and we are in the process of the legal transition. Well, the people that would be responsible if there was a legal breach at these points in time could still be responsible even after a transition. You've got indemnification clauses for that kind of thing, pending and non-pending litigation, known and unknown liabilities, etc. That doesn't really change much of anything in this analysis. Did you ever consider the steam overlay And countless other overlays in-game use the same process to achieve what we do. Yes, we talked about that in the video, but even the same process doesn't have the same effect necessarily, and we are taking it on your word that that process is in fact what is used. But what Bungie is claiming is that you are negatively affecting their market, which is a problem for also some of the legal precedent you're about to bring up. But we'll get there you talk like we are crazy to suggest to offer our products for incorporation. Yes. One of the quotes that they had was that they talked to Bungie about just incorporating the cheats into their product. And I said, that's ridiculous. That's entirely in opposite to what Bungie wants to sell. And and they are so wise and all knowing not to consider. Read carefully what Activision said. And Activision said exactly what we talked about here in virtual reality, which is, we don't own the IP. We'd like to invest in IP that we own more. And that's Pretty much read the wrong way by the Aim Junkies guy here that says, Activision wanted to change the Destiny 2 model, and Parsons told them no. That's Parsons of Bungie. And if Parsons was all about the purity of the game, why could you purchase weapon upgrades? I don't think you can. Can you purchase weapon upgrades in Destiny? Call in, folks. Leave a comment in the description. I know you can purchase cosmetics. I know you can do that kind of thing uh, with Destiny. But what weapons upgrades can you purchase within that? Uh, I don't know. Bungie was bleeding money. The game Destiny 2 is behind schedule and over budget and Parsons would not listen to them. You don't have to love Bungie, friend. (laughs) In this space, we have a lot of videos criticizing Bungie, including a very animated one when they decided to vault content that people had separately purchased. We do talk about that here. And just to educate you a bit, spinoff does not necessarily mean it was sold. This is a copy paste from Webster's. That's a bit of dictionary knees, not your pig Latin lawyeries which is fine. But in general, when we're talking about legal complaints and legal documentation, we're referring more to our pig Latin lawyeries than Webster's. Just as an FYI. Uh, we're not some Mountain Dew drinking kids in our parents' basement. We are mature adults. It's kind of a non sequitur, but... Objection facts, not in evidence with this particular tone, but I understand your meaning. Then they bring up MDY and Donnelly. We're going to talk about MDY uh, because it's an important case. Honestly, Aim Junkies, I probably should have talked about it in the first video. Happy to do it here. We're going to talk about it in this video. It's not quite the slam dunk, as long as we're using their phraseology, that they think it is for their case, but it's pretty strong, pretty useful, and we will talk about it here. Here. You seem to discount our terms of service that clearly state that much as the same as Bungie's, it is illegal to disassemble our copyrighted products. So are you saying it's okay to violate our terms of service and not to violate Bungie's? I, I'm not. I would I would never say such thing. No, it's not okay for Bungie to violate your terms of service if in fact they did. And it's not okay for you to violate their terms of service. And we're going to talk about a situation which I actually think you bring up a pretty good claim, AIM junkies. Hell, I just gave you another episode, says this individual. Stay tuned to the atomic bomb that is coming. I I believe that's what we're going to talk about in this video. And I really want to watch your podcast then. Absolutely. More viewers. Tell your friends. Well, if they're big and you're small, then you're mobile and they're slow. You're hidden and they're exposed. You only fight battles. You know you can win. That's the way the Viet Cong did it, quoting enemy of the state. This is the type of emails I get, folks. And honestly, when I first read it, I was a little bit concerned that this wasn't the individual they claimed to be from the M junkies side of things. So I put it aside. I get a lot of these emails, honestly. And I said, all right, that's, that's fine. Fair enough. And then I got another sequence of emails immediately prior to what you might have seen in the news this week and said, Hey, Rick, can you cover that? Hey, expert pod attorney. I think you might find the countersuit of interest to your followers. It is of interest to them. Got a lot of DMs on this. Everything we assert in the counterclaim is backed up by exhibits attached to counter with court and attached here. This is all in the public domain now. The items of interest begin at the bottom of page 9 labeled affirmative defenses. We're going to talk about the whole document. We'll get there. Understand they have provided us no documentation in discovery that has documented their claims against us. We, on the other hand, are providing the documentation of our claims here up front. The bottom of exhibit B is the smoking gun. It's the dates... Well, well, we'll see. These items were provided to us by Bungie and Discovery. There are other documents that substantiate our claim, but they are marked confidential, so we cannot bring them up into public filing. So am I still crazy to defend this? Get your story straight, boy! Fair enough. Bungie is not who you think they are. I'm really honestly curious about who this individual thinks I think Bungie is uh, because I'm not the world's biggest Bungie fan. But that's okay. You're allowed your opinions, I love the passion. I love the verve. But this is the kind of thing that I've been getting behind the scenes. I wanted to highlight that uh, just so people know what it's like to do this kind of job on the regular. Uh, So we've got the torrent freak uh, coverage here that this is what brought it to a lot of people's attention. I think this clearly seems to be uh, sourced in the same way that the email that I just read to you was sourced. It had the attachments that talk about this particular complaint. And they frame it as uh, Phoenix Digital Group, the AIM Junkies folks are swinging back at Bungie. They give a brief description of what has happened. Uh, in May, U.S. District Court Judge Thomas Zilly largely sided with aim junkies. He said it wasn't uh, properly put together as a lawsuit, but reserved for them the right to amend it. They did. They filed that. That's what we covered here in virtual legality. And now they are counter suing Bungie. Uh, while they don't deny that the Aim Junkie site offered Destiny 2 cheats in the past, they actually don't deny even more than that, the defendants don't believe any laws were violated. This is where we get the quotes, cheats aren't illegal, etc., uh, etc. Et and, you know, they very well might be. There's a lot of copyright law that goes into this. Instead, James Bay and the three managing members of Phoenix Digital have turned the tables, Just a little editorial from what is ostensibly a fairly neutral arbiter of what these documents mean. By the time you get to the end here, we're going to skip this because we're going to look at the primary documents. They say by going on the offensive, AIM Junkies has essentially turned the tables on Bungie. Interestingly, the cheat seller uses many of Bungie's own allegations against the company. Whether these claims will hold up in court has yet to be seen. So in terms of turning the tables, they filed a counterclaim. That's, that's pretty standard operating procedure. So let's talk about that counterclaim. Now, these copies are actually the ones that were affixed to me uh, by the emailer. Uh, that we talked about earlier so we're going to be using this we also have to reference some of what uh, Bungie actually filed so we're going to be going back and forth I do have to apologize for whatever reason the software that I use to highlight these particular documents has died it has exploded Uh, And it no longer runs and actually kills the memory to my entire internet uh, if I try to run it as an extension. I will try to find a uh, follow-up software piece uh, if you have one for highlighting PDFs. Let me know in the comments or otherwise. Uh, But we'll get back on that. Otherwise, I apologize. We're going to have to go through this uh, old school style and just highlighting with our with our cursor here. So, this is the defendant's answer and counterclaims. This is the document where the aim junkies folks are saying, no, no, we are not illegal, and also we're bringing a lawsuit against you. And the form that this takes basically is going through each paragraph of what Bungie said. Bungie is the owner of the popular Destiny franchise. Defendants are without knowledge or information sufficient to form a belief as to the truth of the allegations of paragraph one. So you're starting off a little snarky. We can't even admit that Bungie owns Destiny. Fair enough. And then you get that each and every paragraph. Uh, specifically, they deny that defendants ever copied Bungie's data structures for Destiny 2 and reverse engineered other components of Destiny 2 software code to develop cheat software. And we're going to skip most of this. They admit the stuff about who they are. They deny almost everything else. Denied, 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 denied. We have don't have the information to deny. Then we get a little bit of snark. So if we look at paragraph 35 that Bungie put forth here, Bungie is talking about cheating software in general. It's explaining to the court what it does. And they say on information and belief, which despite what you heard in the email coverage is just the way of telling the court that this seems right, but we don't have the specific documentary evidence right now before we go through discovery. Cheat software may also be used to surreptitiously install malware and other harmful software on the computers of cheat software users. And one of the things that Aim Junkies is going to bring up here is that Bungie was sneaking into their guy's computer. And so what they say here is, admitted that software, which is not actually what Bungie said, they said cheat software, such as that distributed by plaintiff Bungie may be used to surreptitiously install malware and other harmful software on the computers of those who play Destiny 2. So they take this cheat software paragraph and they want to get out there a little bit early before they're even bringing their affirmative defenses or their counterclaims and say, oh yes, there is software that can break into computers, your honor, and it includes Destiny 2. And honestly, it's some of the best stuff that they have in their case document. So we'll, 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 we'll get there. We have more denials, more denials, denied, 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 more denials, more denials. And there's little bits and pieces to pull out here, uh, but nothing so substantive that I thought it was uh, that interesting. They deny the copyright infringement. They deny the trademark infringement and they deny the false designation of origin. And as I said before, in my earlier videos, this is a very light kind of document from Bungie. They really only claim the broad copyright, the broad trademark. And as I said, the copyright stronger than the trademark, the trademark stuff is a little bit weak because trademark is always aimed at establishing who is the purveyor of goods or services. And you're always allowed to say, this relates to destiny. As long as you aren't otherwise trying to say that this is from destiny, this is an official destiny good. And that's a gray area, all of intellectual property, as we talk about that in this space. But that's weaker than you are infringing on what we have made, And you are hurting our ability to market that thing that we should have ownership of. The Copyright Act is very specific that if you make something creative in this world of ours, you have the exclusive right to control the way it is distributed, the way it is displayed, the way it is uh, otherwise produced. And and that's a question that the courts are going to have to answer. And there's some good stuff here that we're going to have to talk about. So they bring up some affirmative defenses. These are the arguments about why even if what you take Bungie to have said is true, It doesn't make a legal cause of action. It doesn't afford them the right to have something bad happen to us for us to owe them money, etc. And their first and their biggest here is plaintiff's claims for copyright infringement as set out here on are barred under the clear holding of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in MDY Industries, LLC versus Blizzard Entertainment Inc. That, according to this complaint document, as a matter of law, alleged breaches of covenants in a copyright license are not acts of copyright infringement. Now, this is fun, right? Because this is technically correct. Breaches of covenants in a license are not acts of copyright infringement is true, but we have so, so much more to talk about. So let's discuss mdy and this isn't the first time that mdy has appeared here in virtual legality but it's also important to understand why the aim junkies folks might be reaching too far even though this is a nice strong plank in the defenses that they present so if you aren't familiar with this case basically this is about people cheating at world of warcraft specifically with a piece of software called glider and it's described by the court as follows glider Moves the mouse around and pushes keys on the keyboard. You tell it about your character, where you want to kill things and when you want to kill it, and then it kills it for you automatically. You can do something else like eat dinner, or go to a movie, and when you return, you'll have a lot more experience and loot. And ultimately, spoiler alert, the court is going to find that even though the license that Blizzard has put in to cover World of Warcraft says no bots, that that isn't enough to qualify the use of a bot as copyright infringement but is instead more closely akin to a breach of contract claim that doesn't rise to that federal infringement level. Now, there's a whole lot that goes into that. First and foremost for this specific case is the nature of what harm it does, right? So in World of Warcraft, what's happening with a bot is because it's PVE predominantly, you are just gaining things faster than you otherwise would. Or as the court puts it, The parties dispute Glider's impact on the World of Warcraft experience. Blizzard contends that Glider disrupts World of Warcraft's environment for non-Glider players by enabling Glider users to advance quickly and unfairly through the game and to amass additional game assets. They're going too fast. MDY contends that Glider has a minimal effect on non-Glider players, enhances the WoW experience for Glider users, and facilitates disabled players' access to WoW by auto-playing the game for them. So they put forth their argument as to why it doesn't matter, Most importantly because it doesn't affect people that aren't using the software now in this particular case We are talking about things like an aimbot that can be used against other players. Now, that sometimes happens in World of Warcraft, but I would argue that in this case, for Destiny 2, it is more important than in the World of Warcraft experience. Why does that matter? Well, there's a number of reasons. Philosophically, it's because the Copyright Act and the law overall believes that folks that make things should be able to control them. That doesn't mean that Aim junkies case gets thrown out. That doesn't mean that they can't use this as president. But overall, if we're just thinking about things on kind of first principles, foundational levels, copyright owners should get the ability to control them. And in this particular instance, where you have a substantial player versus player component, allowing cheating in that environment, is potentially problematic because it affects your ability to put out the product that you want to put out there and experienced by the world in a way that negatively affects the people that aren't otherwise on the cheating grind. Uh, right? So that's distinct. That's a a distinction from this particular case just to start out with, and it may or may not be an important one. The one thing that we can't say when we read a precedent like this from the Ninth Circuit, which does cover, I believe this is Washington, uh, then we can't say one way or the other whether the distinctions that we make here in a place like virtual legality will be ones that the judges accept or don't accept, but they are the arguments that the lawyers are likely to bring. So this matters more. We don't have, would be the argument, a precedent on. PvP on something that relates to taking something away from another player. This is a zero-sum game. If you use an aimbot on someone else, that is taking away from that ex- their experience. Uh, and that's something that is important. Now you also have the baseline rule. When a computer copies World of Warcraft software into RAM, the players may infringe unless their usage is within the scope of Blizzard's limited license. There was a fight about whether or not, essentially, end-user license agreements could control how much you could do with a video game. That was answered in the affirmative. That's one of the reasons we talk about them so often in this space. That license that you enter into does control your ability to interact with the game, but it might not make it infringement. Why? Because as the court says, there is a difference between contractual covenants and license conditions. A copyright owner who grants a non-exclusive limited license ordinarily waives the right to sue licensees for copyright infringement and it may sue only for breach of uh, contract. And that's a precedent that they quote here. However, if the licensee acts outside the scope of the license, the licensor may sue for copyright infringement. That might sound like angels on the head of a pin and legalese all the way down. But what we're trying to establish or what the court is trying to establish in this particular case is a circumstance where you've got things that actually narrow the license. And if you breach those things, you never had the license, which means you're infringing on the person's copyright that owns it. And things that are more along the lines of you should be doing this thing. You shouldn't be doing this thing, but we're not actually changing the size and scope of the license that we have offered to you. Or as the court says, we refer to contractual terms that limit a license's scope as conditions, the breach of which constitute copyright infringement. We refer to all other license terms as covenants, the breach of which is actionable only under contract law. We distinguish between conditions and covenants according to state contract law. This is important. You can see I highlighted in red to the extent consistent with federal copyright law and policy. A Glider user commits copyright infringement by playing World of Warcraft while violating a terms of use term that is a condition. To establish copyright infringement, then, Blizzard must demonstrate that the violated term here claimed, and we're not going to go into the details here, is a condition rather than a covenant. Blizzard's end user license agreement and tolls provide that they are interpreted according to Delaware law. So this is the first or second, I guess, distinction here that we're going to claim, right? The court has to interpret this by Ninth Circuit precedent under the state law that is named. In this particular case, and we'll see it later on, Bungie has said it is Washington law that controls, not Delaware law. So that's another area of distinction that one could argue on this particular point. Accordingly, the court says, we first construe them under Delaware law and then evaluate whether the construction is consistent with federal copyright law and policy. A covenant is a contractual promise. That is a manifestation of intention to act or refrain from acting in a particular way, such that the promisee is justified in understanding that the promisor has made such a commitment. So covenant is, again, that kind of lesser area of we're not reducing the license, but we are going to promise to play by these specific rules. A condition precedent is an act or event that must occur before a duty to perform a promise arises. Conditions precedent are disfavored because they tend to work forfeitures. They tend to lose the license, that kind of thing. Wherever possible, equity construes ambiguous contract provisions as covenants rather than conditions if we have any kind of doubt we are going to claim it is a covenant not a condition which means we're not going to wind up in the copyright infringement basket it's a good argument from the aim junkies folks but the next line is also a bit of a problem for them however if the contract is unambiguous the court will construe it according to its term so if you don't know contract law if this is your first visit to virtual legality Basically, what the court says is if it is entirely obvious to both parties what is happening, then we're going to allow that. If it is at all ambiguous, we're going to side with non-infringement which brings up exactly how the Bungie license is written. Now, there are different versions of this, but we're going to bring up the Exhibit A to the Aim Junkies counter complaint because this is a couple of years ago when they want to talk about what Bungie has the right to do and what not to do. And we can see that this language has stayed the same in their license. We can look at how Bungie describes the circumstances that they're concerned about. First of all, they title it Conditions. So when we're talking about ambiguity and we're talking about the distinction between conditions and covenants, this is lawyering trying to establish that a breach of this section should be deemed a copyright infringement. They put it right here in the heading, but headings don't always do the job. So they continue. This license is subject to the following limitations. These aren't nice to have covenants. These aren't promises. This is the license will be limited if you don't do these things. And then, because they really want not just a belt and suspenders, but some kind of rope holding their pants up at the same time, they say any use of the program in violation of the license limitations, which they just defined as this section, will result in an immediate termination of your license and continued use of the program will be an infringement of Bungie's copyrights in and to the program. So one of the questions you have to ask yourself, is that enough? did we get into the bucket that says okay that's not ambiguous you called it conditions you have a sentence that says you wind up in infringement land these certainly seem to be conditions rather than covenants under this court case we were just discussing maybe or is there some aspect of federal law that comes and swings in and says effectively that if there isn't what they call a nexus between the condition and the cop- and, and the licensors' rights to copyright, then we're going to treat it as non-infringing in toto. Now, I think the best argument, and this is just an opinion, right? Lawyers, you get four of us in a room, you're going to get six different opinions. I think that it's probably enough to avoid the ambiguity bucket which means that you're looking at conditions. You're looking at infringement. It's it's written in black and white as a lawyer can possibly do it. And if you don't wind up with any ambiguous interpretation, you don't wind up in this case at all. If that is, in fact, what happens, then while it is a matter of law that breaches of covenants are not acts of copyright infringement, we might not be talking about a breach of a covenant. We might instead be talking about a breach of a condition. So it's a good argument. It's a strong argument. I like it. I like it, AIM Junkies. But it isn't maybe as strong or as definitive as you put forth here the next one and really the final kind of court case dive we're going to go into here is Galoob Toys. And we've talked about Galoob here in Virtual Legality, but for point of reference, it's the way Game Genie was allowed to work. You have a Game Genie, you have an NES, and you're allowed to put a cartridge in there. The Game Genie is allowed to affect it. Nintendo sued over it and said, look, our audiovisual output is copyrighted. We should get protection here. And with a whole lot of legal ease that we're not gonna go into because we wanna keep this video at under two hours long, the basics are is that the American court system said, yep, that's fine. It's ephemeral. You're adding something to the game. It is temporary. And that's basically where things wound up. So when they go and say, under Galoob, it is a matter of law that the use of software resident on a computer of a game player to enhance the player's performance of the game does not unlawfully create a derivative work or otherwise infringe a copyright, you say, okay, there is at least some precedent there. But Galoob is obviously a 1992 case. And what else have we had happen since then? And the answer is quite a lot. Um, So if we go and we look at the Wikipedia entry, and God, I do not recommend using Wikipedia for legal research, but I have looked at these cases before, and this seemed like at least a good summary for this kind of short-form discussion of this topic, we get a great paragraph here that says the following. The case is considered essential to the future of video game modding in the United States and around the world, discouraging companies from being too litigious, which is nice. Soon after the courts decided Galoob, video game mods became more widespread, particularly with the popularity of Doom and the permissive attitude of its developer, id Software. These developers can always be permissive. They can always allow infringement. As third parties began to sell compilations of user-created levels, MicroStar created Nuke It, a compilation of 300 custom-made levels for Duke Nukem 3D, provoking a copyright dispute with the game's developers. In the ensuing lawsuit, or if you're Wikipedia, ensuring lawsuit, MicroStar versus FormGen Incorporated, Judge Alex Kaczynski distinguished the infringement in MicroStar's compilation of game levels from the non-infringing Game Genie. And we've gone over both of these cases in Virtual Legality before. Because the Nuket compilation was a permanent derivative work and it was misappropriating profits from a potential Duke Nukem sequel, the Santa Clara High uh, High Technology Law Journal, I don't think it's their high school journal, but hey, if it is, good job for you kids, compared the MicroStar and Galoob cases, arguing that it is not inherently copyright infringement to modify a game unless that modification is saved as a copy and distributed to the public, but since modern mods are distributed to the public in in permanent form, the William and Mary Business Law Review called the Galoob decision a pyrrhic victory for modders. So the, the broad scope here is ugh, we've got questions because one of the reasons that Galoob happens the way it does is that Nintendo isn't able to properly frame out that they were damaged in any way. Nintendo is said to say, okay, well, Game genie's out there. And is it hurting your market for selling games? Probably not. And Nintendo got burned a little bit by that. Versus in MicroStar versus Formgen, what you've got is a situation where they say, well, you're infringing on the possibilities of a sequel. You're affecting their market. And one of the things that Bungie put forth in its argumentation was, we want to sell Destiny this way, and people will quit if they can see that folks are cheating around them. And that's directly affecting our market interest. They also talk about the business model they use as a free-to-play entry point. And all of that, I think, does distinguish it from the Galoob line of cases in an interesting way. I cannot sit here and promise you that a court will go one way or the other, but I can promise you that Galoob doesn't determine how a court has to decide this question. And I personally think that not just Bungie. But anyone that is operating a multiplayer online connected game that is otherwise affected by cheaters within it have a cognizable case that they are negatively affected in what they have made, what they have copyrights in by the existence and prevalence of cheaters that are otherwise acting commercially to make their own money on the backs of this other creation. So I do, again, still think it's an interesting argument. It is a strong argument in terms of it being at least remotely on point. But I do think there are areas that distinguish the present case from the other cases we've looked at. Then they talk about cases about, hey, maybe this is just one continuing infringement. If it exists, I don't think that'll work for them. They also talk about fair use of the Destiny trademarks. I actually like these arguments. I think the trademark stuff is the weakest stuff that Bungie has brought. And those are the affirmative defenses. Now we're going to talk about their counterclaims, which is, I really think, pretty darn effective arguing from Aim Junkies. So let's talk about it. First counterclaim of James May for unauthorized access with intent to defraud for his counterclaims. Defendant James May, not Aim Junkies proper or Phoenix Digital proper, but this individual incorporates everything else that we have said and then says he has maintained, used, and operated at his home a personal computer in which personal, private, and confidential information is stored and maintained one or more files contained on his personal computer's hard drive. Mr. May protects access to the files on his personal computer by requiring the use of one or more passwords known only to him. To gain access to the files on his personal computer's hard drive, I think, We all have similar situations there. In addition, Mr. May includes a firewall on his computer to deter and prevent unauthorized access to his computer and the files and data contained thereon. Now, one of the reasons that they are making these particular assertions is that the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA, comes in and not just allows for takedowns of YouTube videos and whatnot, also says if you circumvent a technological measure that is protecting your computer, give or take, we're shortening this, we're paraphrasing this, then that in and of itself can be a violation of law. It's designed to backstop some of the copyright precedents that we're talking about today, in all honesty. In approximately October or November of 2019, Mr. May accepted the terms of the Limited Software License Agreement, then utilized by counterclaim defendant Bungie to receive access to the Destiny 2 game offered by Bungie. So Mr. May goes and gets a, per- a copy of Destiny 2, and in so doing, he enters into the Limited Software License Agreement that we were just talking about, right? So this is labeled as last updated March 6th. This is as provided by Bungie. And one of the things as you scroll through here that you might note is that there is no obvious language That says we can go and look at what you're doing on your computer to check for things that we don't like the license condition section that we just read in this version of the license says you can't do these bad things you can't exploit the program commercially use the program more than once copy reproduce distribute display copy the program onto a hard drive use it in a multi-user arrangement sell rent lease reverse engineer derive source code modify uh, decompile disassemble create derivative works hack or modify all these bad things that you would expect them to cover but it doesn't have a sentence here that says, and we can go audit you for this, right? That, that you agree not to do these things, but we didn't otherwise put in our contract, at least at any place that I could see. So I think Game Junkies is right on this. Uh, we don't have any language that says we can go check on this. So if Bungie wants to fight this, they have to argue some kind of good faith, fair dealing, equitable argument that says, yes, okay. They agree to not do these things. We find that they did them Are you really going to burn us for what amounts to self-help? The answer is maybe. I think Game Junkies has a pretty good argument here, but we'll get to it as we go along. copy of the LSA is covered here. The LSA, in effect, at all relevant times does not provide Bungie Inc. with authorization to surreptitiously access files or not surreptitiously access them on Mr. May's personal computer and or download information from those files without the knowledge and express authorization of Mr. May. It's not covered at all. On several occasions between October of 2019 and May of 2021, without the knowledge and authorization of Mr. May accessed and obtained information from personal files contained on Mr. May's personal computer as shown on exhibit B. Now, there's a couple of things happening here, and I don't know the answer to some of them. There could be updates to their software agreement between these dates. Uh, This is a fairly long period of time. Probably there's an update and they could add something to it. So if we go and we look at this particular exhibit, as I said, it's pretty strong. They've got these columns and apparently what they show is that Bungie access through Destiny 2 uh, checks on this individual's computer. And you see reference to users, James, desktop, reclass, blah, 64.exe, which certainly sounds like a personal computer. And you see that a lot. You also see references to Swifty's reverse engineering machine and things that are strongly suggestive of the stuff that Bungie doesn't want you to be doing with the Destiny 2 software. But they may not have had the right to go and collect this information. You also have the dates here going, as they said, from October of 2019 to May of 2021. Now, interestingly enough, since they can't actually commit to the fact that this individual signed the license agreement until November of 2019, I'm not exactly sure why there are so many dates in October and why they go away for two months then pop back in in December. So there are questions as to what's going on here. There are questions as to whether there was an update because basically if you use a piece of software and they update it, then if you continue to use it past that update point, the new license applies to your usage from that point in time on. Uh, But you can still look at the old ones for things like the initial purchase. So there are questions as to what is happening here, but this is pretty good. The law generally doesn't look terribly kindly on what we call self-help. You can't, in general, go and say, this person robbed me and now I'm going to go and run them down with my car. You can't generally explain to the law enforcement officials that you're allowed to do this thing because they wronged me first. That said, what we're talking about here isn't really running somebody down with a car. It isn't a bank kind of situation. It's two corporations arguing about who's infringing who. And Bungie will have at least an equitable argument that says, are you really going to burn us for finding out about Swifty's reverse engineering machine? And if you do, are we, are we going to get credit for the fact that it certainly looks like they're reverse engineering our software as they go and make these particular interactions? They don't have to negate each other entirely, but... If you're bungee, you'd prefer to not have unclean hands, which is one of the things that Aim Junkies is going to accuse them of having, which is essentially, if there is any ambiguity in terms of fairness or justice here, Court, they are bad actors. Now, it might be the case that everybody's a bad actor here, and that does change things a little bit, but it's not a bad argument. And I was actually pretty interested to see that this was, in fact, what was happening, at least according, as we do here, to the allegations provided by the Aim Junkies folks, right? We don't evaluate these things for truth content. I want to make that very, very clear. The second counterclaim of James May for theft of computer data, reasserting everything else. He protects it. And there's been computer fraud, basically. And we can go to this section. We can get to the computer fraud stuff. We've talked about Supreme Court decisions on this. We've talked about how kind of crazy this statute is. But basically it says if you access what is known as a protected computer to do bad things with it, well, then you could be guilty of these various kinds of computer crimes. And if you think, well, okay, what's a protected computer? Certainly the federal government isn't just claiming every computer on earth. And I would have to inform you that basically you're wrong because protected computer as a defined term includes every computer affecting interstate or foreign commerce or communication, which means if it's connected to the internet or is ever connected to the internet or perhaps even has internet capabilities, You are a protected computer and violation exceeding the access granted to you that was authorized to you can create these specific problems. So I don't think it's an argument that you can just toss out. I do think there are equitable arguments that Bungie can raise saying, okay, fine, but we did find them. We caught them red-handed on this stuff. So we have to talk about what that means. It doesn't mean that our case is just dismissed. Uh, But it does mean that potentially we could have complaints against each other. If you watched Johnny Depp and Amber Heard with us, you saw a case where you had counterclaims go both ways uh, in that particular instance. And you could be looking at something similar here. The other thing to note here with this kind of good argument, as I have claimed it, uh, and the DMCA circumvention of technological measures, is that we do know that Bungie is aware of how to write this properly thanks to the revisions that they have made to their own software license agreement. If you go into the current version which it says is updated a year ago, so sometime in 2021, you will see a section about the BattleEye system. And BattleEye is allowed to scan licensees, entire random access memory, and any game-related and system-related files and folders on licensee system using algorithms, report results of those algorithms to other computers and to licensor Bungie, and store such information for the sole purpose of preventing and detecting the use of cheat programs. So they know how to write this in the license. That's going to work against them. Because when you go and you look at this earlier license, you don't see a similar concept. You don't see, we can go look at your stuff to make sure this kind of thing isn't happening. At least not that I could find. And you're welcome to check these things out on your own as well. So I think Aim Junkies has a relatively good point there. And that's the basics of this. Bungie probably still has a good point. AIM Junkies has, at least in its counterclaim about stealing into this individual's computer, potentially a good point on a technical level, uh, but they have the risk of Bungie saying, yes, the reason we submit this to is that it shows Swifty's reverse engineering and Swifty's dev box and ban evasions and all these various other things. And so Bungie can show that these are bad actors at the same time. Where does that leave us at the end of the day then? It leaves us arguing about copyright infringement and derivative works. No the Steam overlay is not the same as an aimbot. And if we actually go and we look at the statements that are made in this particular document by Aim Junkies, we will see that they admit to what this cheat software actually does in the paragraphs here in the mid 80s. So if we look at paragraphs 86 and 89, and we go and we look at what Bungie is describing happening in this cheat software, we'll see that they describe an aimbot that allows cheat users to automatically aim at other Destiny 2 players and non-player characters. Other Destiny 2 players is a more significant finding than in the MDY case. And in 89, that Defendant's Destiny 2 cheat software included a feature called One Position Kill, which allowed cheat users to cause other players and characters to respawn at or move to the same spot in Destiny 2 so that the cheat user would be more effective at defeating those opponents, causing them to warp in at specific points in time where you could just knock them off in that particular go. And in AimBots' own document, they admit to those things, right? They admit but they say that they don't infringe any legitimate right, that's where the rubber is gonna hit the road. Are these derivative works? Galoob doesn't answer that question. These are mods, these are software that are formed and downloadable. They are permanent in nature, even as applied. And so that's going to distinguish Galoob. The fact that it is directly accused by Bungie of affecting their ability to market their game is going to be a potentially distinguishing feature. And I can't promise anything about a case like this, but what I can say is overall, the philosophy of copyright would seem to lean towards a creator like Bungie being able to control what that experience is, being able to market the game they want to market and not be forced into accepting things that they find to be negative that potentially hit their bottom line simply by these kinds of technicalities with respect to how the RAM comes into place. Now, it's also possible that Aim Junkies wins this case. It's also possible that you look at this and a court says, well, it's not a derivative work. It's not infringing. They buy the Steam overlay argument or anything like that, which I would argue is probably the wrong thing if you're a gamer and you're interested in playing games like Destiny 2. In that particular case, I would argue that the Copyright Act itself would need reform. We need to have multiplayer game software providers being able to control that experience and have a legal remedy, a legal redress against the folks that would otherwise seek to alter and honestly hurt that experience for other gamers that want to engage in it. So aim junkies, I know you love me, I know you like to talk to me. I'm looking forward to the next email, friend. Hopefully, I did you proud. I think there are some good arguments. I think there are some bad arguments. That's what we do here in Virtual Legality. And if you do like this content, if you like talking about lawsuits, business and law, of video game software, technology, and more, hey, we've got platforms that you can support us with, including you, Junkies, if you're so inclined. We've got Utreon. That's where most of the money gets to us rather than stuck at the platform level. Please do check that one first. And if you just prefer it, we've got Patreon. If you don't like either of those, You can become a YouTube member. We got that as well. Or you can just subscribe, tell your friends, upvote, downvotes. We're saving that downvote for you, M. Junkies, if you're so inclined. Uh, And otherwise, just engage in the ways that YouTube likes you to engage. Share it around. Tell folks we're having these conversations because every little bit helps. If you did watch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality.